You're listening to episode number nine of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the vertical, hierarchy, and horizontal partnership relationship polarity. The context for our conversation today is the movement toward interprofessional collaboration and how this polarity plays out in that context. This is a significant polarity to be leveraged, so you won't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We're so grateful you've joined us today. I'm Tracy. And I'm Michelle. We've been interprofessional partners in healthcare for over 30 years. During that time, we've been engaged in healthcare transformation and the development of healthy healing work cultures that result in the best places to give and receive care. We've engaged with healthcare leaders from across North America, and we are tired of seeing time, money, and resources wasted on change efforts that are not sustainable. In this podcast, we explore significant, reoccurring, and competing challenges faced by all healthcare leaders today using a brand new lens called polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare. You could say we represent the money ball of healthcare. We're here to expand your current thinking and challenge your reliance on problem-solving tactics. everybody. It's Tracy and Michelle. We're back on the airwaves today and with a very, very important topic. And today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about hierarchy and partnership and really in the context of interprofessional collaborative practice. And, uh, you know, you probably already know after listening to Michelle and I for a while, interprofessional collaborative practice is kind of like our thing, right? It's our passion. Brought us together. Exactly. (laughs) I'm getting my dissertation. I'm doing my dissertation interprofessional healthcare studies. And so this is, you know, this is a very passionate, heartfelt topic for us. And uh, we really wanted to talk about kind of some of the influencing factors and what's really occurring and the realities that clinicians face as they try to, you know, work collaboratively Mm -hmm. to move interprofessional collaborative practice forward. And so clinicians are feeling it. Leaders have to manage it as well. Um, And so, uh, you know, it's just a key topic for us to be talking about, I think. And it's one that we get asked a lot about. Oh, yes. Yes, we do. How does this fit in with the whole interprofessional collaborative practice? And it's a pretty big one. So we thought it was really important to talk about it today. Yeah. And and we want to make sure, you know, we're real clear. We're talking about it in this context, Mm -hmm. hierarchy and the need for partnership and that that relationship, that interdependence, uh, you know, that exists on lots of different levels, right, in any organization. But today we're focused on this and and for the clinicians, right, in Mm -hmm. the healthcare setting. And uh, there's a lot of things that have influenced this. And the reason we're bringing it up and the reason we're talking about it is because there is an upside to hierarchy, as long as it's not a power over situation. But there's a lot of influencing factors that uh, we we just need to be aware of. And this isn't going to be a dissertation on that, but there's a lot in the literature. And (laughs) we'll be here a long time, folks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We'll post some of the articles I think that you might find interesting or helpful. You know, we'll actually we'll put a bibliography in the show notes. But, you know, there's been cultural influences. So this starts way back in the beginning of time mm-hmm. when really the whole medical profession was first established. And, uh, you know, there are class differences 
and gender issues, you know, and that started way, way back then. And that has been an influencing factor in the structures and the cultures that have influenced and created this kind of hierarchical power structure with the physician at the top of the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And that's just our reality. Um, And as we have, you know, tried to um, you know, move forward with a more interprofessional collaborative practice. It's just, you know, really revealed how strong this is and the feelings that different clinicians, you know, are uh, experiencing, the tensions that rise because of this hierarchical structure. The other thing is, you know, it causes a lot of friction and conflict and resistance. And, uh, you know, the other thing that's an influencing factor here just is professionalism as well and how we're, you know, um, indoctrinated into our professions. And, um, you know, some of the boundaries or the lack of definitive boundaries have also influenced, right, this culture, this hierarchical status. Um, And so there's just, you know, this kind of a power authority thing going on here, right? Right. With a a long history, as you said. Yes, exactly. Very, very long history. And so the point is, just so we know where we're starting from, right? right? And uh, we need to know what our realities are and what's influenced our, uh, our current cultures. So let's look at this now through the clinician's experience when it comes to interprofessional collaborative practice and the tensions that they're feeling on a day-to-day basis and what their realities are as they really work towards this interprofessional collaborative practice. And a lot of this is new territory for many of them, right? And again, you you bump up into these tensions, right? Because you're bumping into that history. And so it can make you feel uncertain. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it takes courage, I think, to actually um, reach out to other professions and create this interprofessional uh, practice when you when you know that you're bumping up against some of this historical stuff, and um, also that we are dealing with this changes in people's status and um, how decisions have typically always been made and. They're, they feel that tension because they're trying to bring a new way of collaborating together. Right. And they, you know, they, they come to the, the table or let's just say like, you, you know, they come into rounds, right? Let's yeah. say we put an infrastructure in place to help support collaboration. And people show up with this great anticipation that things are going to change, right? That we're going to work together. My voice is going to be heard and um, we're going to really, truly collaborate and then just to find that, right, the infrastructures, the, um, the the historical hierarchical structure is still alive and well, and I'm still not feeling heard. And I then, you know, sometimes I react to that by just shutting down, thinking nothing's going to change. Um, and, uh, and I retreat and I don't bring my voice. So then, you know, nobody benefits from that, right? Nobody wins. Um, but the, it's because they feel this tension, they feel challenged, and they don't know how to make it different. Yeah, and even I've experienced, even when the invitation is open and you are doing interprofessional rounds uh, and people want to hear your voice because you haven't been conditioned to bring it, you need encouragement to bring it. Mm-hmm. So I remember uh, when we started doing interprofessional rounds, I was so excited. And we had the residents and the respiratory therapists and the dietitians. And, uh, you know, we had all these different pharmacists uh, doing rounds. Of course, I'm a nurse. And I worked with these nurses. They were amazing in what they did. And we'd get we'd start doing rounds and they just would 
they would stand there and I'd say, tell them what you've been doing. (laughs) Tell them what the patient, you know, the patient uh, you've been working on as far as an individual plan of care. And they got a lot better at it. But what I realized is they're not used to it because we didn't have a forum to really bring that voice in in a professional way. Well, or they were conditioned. That's what, that's what I mean. They well, were, but not uh, just because of form. I guess what I'm trying to say is that they were conditioned because they weren't listened to before. And I think the reason rounds were successful for us is because we didn't have, while we had physicians who had hierarchical power, they didn't act that way. Right. It wasn't a power over. It was a power with. Mm-hmm. And that was very different. And people weren't used to that. So they were conditioned not to be able to bring their voice from past experiences and took them a while to trust. Right. That they would be heard and that there was value. Right. So it happens in a lot of different ways. I appreciate you bringing that bringing that up because, you know, you got some where the physicians um, and and this isn't to bash physicians. So I want to be really clear about that. This is just our realities. Right. And that this is the hierarchical order. So um, I just I just want to be sensitive to it because I understand it. Um, But in this initial, you know, as we start to unfold this and, and peel back the onion, I guess. Is just to say, you know, that there are some that are struggling with giving up the hierarchy. They like that. That's what they were trained to do. That's, you know, I, I'm accountable and I'm holding the accountability and we'll do what I think is right. And then you have others that are farther down the road. And it's not so much about a power over as it is a power with. And they're mm-hmm. just more, they're in a different place in their journey and maybe have had different experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so then the challenge isn't because of the person in the hierarchical power. It's from the person who was conditioned not to participate or not to be right, the partner. Not, so not it's not any And even if the invitation is there. Exactly. We, exactly. Have to, we have to make it be a norm, right? Yeah, we have to exactly. Really... So it's not just one person, I right. guess, is what we're trying to say. Right. Um, you know, the lack of the ability to move beyond this and to really leverage uh, the relationships and those, uh, you know, hierarchical structures, uh, it takes all of us. Yeah. I, mean, I guess that's Absolutely. what, you know, what the, the realities are is it does take everybody. And, you know, um, we all have a different experience of that and uh, different feelings around that, but the tensions are real and, uh, and that's all we're trying to bring. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's kind of some of the internal struggles, right. That the clinicians yes. feel yeah. and what they're managing and, uh, but there's external factors too here, right? So a big part of the challenge is that, you know, uh, that education, professional socialization, there's liability concerns, as I mentioned previously, um, institutional funding, regulatory structures, a lot of those things just reinforce that hierarchical status and power differentiation. Um, so, you know, it, it's not always even by choice. It's by some of these external factors are influencing it. You know, there's tensions, uh, some, you know, researchers have found there's tensions between the professional expertise and then their lack of authority to be able to carry out that, right, without a physician, uh, you know, concurring with them, or policies and clinicians' perceptions and behaviors, right, also, mm-hmm. right, like we talked about previously, um, support the continuation of that hierarchical uh, authoritative role. So a lot of external factors, a lot of things at play here that are influencing this. Yeah. So Tracy, as we were getting ready for this podcast and thinking back, I was reflecting back in my career and um, I remembered my master's thesis, which was nurse physician collaboration and nurse satisfaction. And it really came a lot from that hierarchical partnering 
tension. And what I longed for was the partnership aspect of it because I knew when I was in a great collaborative partnership experience with a physician in a patient situation that it made all the difference in the world. And when the hierarchy was really strong and it didn't exist, it really impacted um, not only, I think, patient outcomes, but it impacted my satisfaction with the whole experience. So I did my master's thesis on this, and I looked at um, nurses and physicians' perceptions of collaborative practice, and then I compared it to nurse satisfaction. But it just struck me. I pulled out my master's thesis from my bookshelf this morning, right before our podcast, and I read the introduction to it. And I just want to read it right now because it shows you even how we've evolved in our thinking since 1997, because that is when this uh, was published. So here it is. It is very connected to the hierarchical and the partnership uh, polarity that we're talking about. So I write in 1997, as we move into the next millennium, it is very apparent that healthcare in the United States is undergoing great change. I guess we were going through great change back then, too. Never ends. <laughs> Never ends. Part of that change is reflected in major paradigm shifts. Related to how providers and consumers look at the whole concept of health and what it means, as well as the nature of relationships within the healthcare system. Specifically, there is a shift from medical care to healthcare, and the shift from hierarchical relationships to partnering relationships. I actually said that. Can yeah, you believe it? Old thinking, old thinking. <laughs> And collaboration means, and which it can really help facilitate those shifts. And that was my whole point. I then cited the work of Meg Wheatley in 1994 when she said, relationships are all there is. And by focusing on the relationships between healthcare providers, as well as the relationships between providers and consumers, desired outcomes may emerge. Historically, the relationship between nurses and physicians has played a significant role in creating the old paradigms. So it makes sense that the nature of this relationship can reshape the future of healthcare and move us into the new paradigms. The literature on collaboration and this author's own rewarding experiences in collaborative relationships with physicians indicate that true collaboration is the essential foundation in which to deliver and practice healthcare in the future. So I was just thinking, this work in 1997 was really connected to this particular tension between hierarchy and partnership. But I also was struck because I kind of forgot. I was kind of stuck in the old way of thinking, too, that we needed to move from hierarchy to partnership. And collaboration was the way. Yeah, that was the solution, right? That was the solution. That was a solution to the problem. Hierarchy is the problem. And there was a solution in, in uh, you know, partnering relationships and collaboration. And, and so, like, just how far we've come, right? I know. I know. And yes. uh, and that's you know that's what we're here to talk about today. And there are some people that that that's just the lens they're looking through. It's their frame of reference from a problem solving perspective or paradigm shifting, whatever you want to call it. And um, and so we're just here to talk about this through the polarity lens, right? And I think you know obviously that was before early you know the well the the work was done, the research was done in the mid nineties 
Well, actually, it even started before then, but that's a whole long story. <laughs> okay, let's not go <laughs> let's there. Let's not go there. But anyway, it was before we knew about polarity thinking. So now that whole, it would look totally different about both are important. It's how you leverage them. You're going to get the outcomes and uh, no doubt about it. Yeah. And so, you know, now we're kind of at this point where we just want to make sure we, you know, we call forth that we know there's a lot of emotion, uh, some negative connotations to the word hierarchy, right? And, uh, and especially when you're thinking about it from a power over kind of perspective. And so when we talk about this particular polarity, what we talk about, we talk about it in, in different terms, because when you're doing, when you're managing or leveraging polarities and exploring them, you want to use neutral terms because one is not more important than the other. One is not negative and one positive. So we want to, you know, as we go forward in the rest of the podcast and talk about this, we're going to be using the terms vertical relationships and horizontal relationships. And we use the term vertical just because, you know, like when you think about a an organizational, you know, structure chart, chart organizational yeah. chart, you know, it's top down, right? So it's kind of more of a vertical. Uh, and then when you think about partnering relationships, it's kind of that horizontal complement to the vertical up and down, right? So it's a bringing in the other voices uh, and, uh, you know, complementing that um, that vertical uh, component in an organization. So we're going to talk about it in regards to this. And uh, we're going to talk about it, you know, uh, in regards to um, you know, with the team respond, you know, here's a great example. When you think about vertical and horizontal, just to get your head wrapped around what we're talking about. And uh, Bonnie uh, Wasorek actually used this at a uh, MBA program we were at the other day. And I thought, oh, God, that's just so awesome, right? And I've, I've lived it in my life. But when you think about vertical and horizontal and how this plays out perfectly is when you think about a cardiac arrest, right? Mm-hmm. And you call a code in the hospital, and if you've ever participated in that, right, the code, your pager goes off or however you're notified in your organization, everybody comes running, right? That's a, that's a sign to participate in those activities that day. And you have immediately somebody takes charge, right? Usually one of the physicians says, I'm in charge. And then everybody else brings their complimentary services, right? Yep. Whatever it is, I'm a respiratory therapist. I'm either intubating or bagging the patient, right? Nurses, pharmacists is there with a crash card and all the medications. Card. And, you know, we've got one person in charge who's directing the activities and everybody else is complimenting. And whenever there's a question, you know, the call goes out, what do we think we need to do? You know, we ask for different um, perspectives and different expertise when it's needed, uh, that person contributes, right? And we continue on in the processes. But there's a clear delineation of of hierarchy, and it is not a power over. It is definitely a power with in that particular situation. And I think that's the great, yeah. best way to to show that and how you know we come together in those moments. And that's uh, an example of how that can be. Yeah, it's a great example because if we were didn't have that vertical infrastructure and have that that you know that clear um, direction, it'd be chaos, right? Oh, exactly. And the outcome wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good at all for the patient. So. Uh, it's complementing each other. Exactly. So we do agree that it is important, right? The hierarchy or the vertical. And I just want to say, too, the reason I like the horizontal and vertical is to me, I'm a visual person. Everyone kind of learns differently. But, there, you know, when you think about 
collaboration, partnership, um, all the different terms that are used in interprofessional collaborative practice, they're words. But when you think about the vertical horizontal and working together, working together, um, I think it's really helpful. But if we end up spending too much time in that hierarchy or that vertical space, you know, we are going to experience the negative consequences of that, right? Yes. So that is, so I think, you know, if it's just too vertical, we're going to have the failure to use the collective wisdom or the expertise of the team, right? We're going to be really relying on maybe one source and we're not going to tap expertise of other people, which will not be good, right? Well, it doesn't further the purpose, right, of the organization or the direction that you're going in either, right? As you think about the purpose of the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if if, if that's, this is just the way we do things here. And My this, way or the highway. <laughs> and this is the pattern. There's never an opportunity for the team to work together to really meet the needs of the patient or the family. So we don't even allow it because we are so strong on that vertical side and that vertical pole. And um, then the other thing that can happen over time is, you know, well, we don't even know how to work together as a team, right? So we're not even bringing that competency into our day-to-day work. And then we don't have any sense of accomplishment as a team because we're too strong in the vertical pole. Yeah, there's no effectiveness when you are together, right? Right. So if we've uh, over-focused there, right, and experiencing those downsides of the vertical, you know, pole, uh, then, you know, our tendency is going to be, you know, let's go to the horizontal, right? We want that, that collaborative component and, uh, and we want to achieve the upsides of that. And so there are a lot of positive outcomes for that horizontal pull. One is that the team engages in shared decision making mm-hmm. and that that impacts the purpose and direction of the organization, right? It's that collective understanding and decision making and knowledge. Um, and so that that's a very, very positive outcome. The other is the team takes ownership for meeting the needs of the patient and family. So it's, uh, you know, it's that, again, kind of that collaborative, collective ownership, the shared knowledge, the shared goal of what's important to the the patient and family and really um you know making that oh, happen. that's a good it's a good reminder how many times has it happened that as professionals we're not we're not all with the patient all the time so when you have that really strong horizontal you can you just know that someone is going to hear something someone's going to experience something that can make a tremendous difference in the course of the patient's care. So that's really important. Yeah. And I, you know, that was always my, my thing too, as a respiratory therapist, you know, I saw a patient, sometimes it's in with that patient every hour, you know, and you just, they, they don't wait for the right professional, you know, uh, to reveal something and you pick up on it. And it's like, if you know the scope of practice of the other clinicians, then you can act, right. You can get them engaged and say, Hey, I'm noticing something. I learned something and you can engage them right away versus waiting for them to kind of find it out right down the road sometimes. So how much time and energy is lost in that? Uh, and you know, poor outcomes for patients and families. The other is, you know, then they start to take pride in those accomplishments, right? When you really come together and you gel around what you're doing and you have that shared purpose with the patient and family and those goals, and you're starting to see that progress and how you're helping that patient, you know, the feeling is just incredible, right? And so you really want to make sure that, you know, uh, you're celebrating that and, you know, they have that opportunity to be proud of those accomplishments. That's a great outcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But (laughs) just like everything, right? Yeah. If we hang out there and we, you know, and we try to avoid or to eliminate, right, that vertical component and not have it interfere or not engage with it at all and just have the horizontal complement, we are over time, right, 100% guaranteed going to end up with negative consequences from that. And those can kind of look like, you know, there's difficulty connecting to the greater purpose and direction of the organization because that's what that vertical component brings. And so if we don't have that, we can't connect to how what we're doing aligns with that or how, right, how it's meaningful to that and that greater purpose. Why are we here? Exactly, (laughs) right? The other thing is that, you know, there's a limited individual freedom to act in a timely way to meet the needs of the patient or family, you know, so, you know, we have some freedom issues there. Uh, the other thing is individual professionals' con- contributions to care are not recognized as well. So again, it's that too much of the collaborative, not enough of what, you know, um, carrying forward with my own autonomous practice. Right. It all gets kind of mixed in together, right? Exactly. You start to feel that tension of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the upsides, you know, of the the upsides of the vertical are they really bring that clarity and the accountability, which is a real positive strength um, because it is why we're here and there's clear action steps and we know what to do. So that's a real positive thing. So we, that accountability is really critical. Also, another positive um, outcome is the encouragement for individuals to take initiatives to meet the patient family needs. You want people to make those autonomous, autonomous decisions. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Autonomous? Autonomous. <laughs> autonomous mm-hmm. decisions mm-hmm. Um, when it really comes to the patient's needs. And so you need that vertical, um, that vertical permission, that vert- vertical um, strength to move forward. And lastly, that there's a pride in each person's professional and contributions to care. So when you can take action and you're really clear on your authority to do so, um, it brings with it a lot of pride because you can really impact the outcomes of the patient as well. Sure. You feel like, wow, I really did something great today. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of days when I left work knowing that I made a difference in just what I was doing for the patient. So one thing that you can do if you've been listening to the podcast and reflecting on how this might be showing up in your organization or how you are or aren't <laughs> leveraging both right, the vertical and the horizontal, is just to stop, step back and stop and think about your own, you know, your own preferences. Think about kind of what is showing up in your organization. And, um, and I just encourage you, whatever your preference is, to look to the other pole, Mm -hmm. to the interdependent opposite, and really see what you can do just it for your own self to find the rightness of that other perspective, mm-hmm. you know, to recognize that there are positive outcomes to both of these. And uh, I think that, you know, that can kind of help, help open you up. And somebody said, you know, um, umbrellas work best when they're open. So be an umbrella, <laughs> <laughs> open yourself up and, yeah. uh, you know, to seeing that, that the rightness, because I think that's what polarity thinking teaches us is there's rightness in both perspectives or points of view. And this is a great opportunity for you to stretch yourself a little bit if you're struggling with this. The other thing I would say is, um, you know, polarities also help us uh, have that complete picture. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, when you have a preference for, 
one pole or the other, you can be blinded to your own, to the downsides of the thing that you value the most. And so again, another thing to do is just to step back and think about have, do I have a blind side? Is this a blind spot for me? And, um, you know, just really reflect on that because I think it can be very helpful in your own growth uh, around that. And then if you feel so inclined, you know, engage some people in dialogue around this and, and start to uncover what's really happening in our organization. What are our preferences? What are our beliefs? What What's informed us and when where we're at? Yeah, I think identifying your preference polls are very, very valuable. And then even to look at the dynamics in your organization or your situation, right? Like, like we keep saying, it all depends on the context of the situation you're dealing with. But how much, how much of that um, tension sits on the, you know, the, the, well, the, the vertical, how much sits on the horizontal, and then really looking at how to right size it with your, you know, we're going to get into action steps, but just really being aware of your context of your situation is really helpful. Yeah. And if you are in a vertical position. Yes. You really have to be careful and really think about that position in regards to power because you are in a power position. Anytime you're in a vertical, you know, situation like that, you do have power. By default. Yeah, well, you do. (laughs) And you have to be aware of how you're wielding that power because if you have a preference, then everybody else could be sitting in the downside of your preference. Mm-hmm. So just be aware of that. And there, there's lots we could do to talk about that. It's probably more than what we can cover in this podcast. And maybe we'll come back to that, you know, at another time. But just be aware of how your preferences can influence, can make people happy or make people really sad, <laughs> right? Because they're living in your, uh, you know, underneath your preferences. Yeah. And this, like any other polarity, um, because it is such a strong one and because of the history involved and really it's a critical one to be aware of and analyze as you look at interprofessional collaborative practice is look towards the greater purpose. And you can get people to what is our shared purpose here as an interprofessional collaborative team. And then sometimes what I've experienced, and I know you have, you have too, Tracy, is the energy just kind of shifts its way to a more equilibrium because it keeps this focus on what matters most, what matters most. Sure. Yeah, it, it does. It, it helps to, um, it helps to open us up yeah. and let go of some of those preferences or things that we might be hanging yeah. on tightly yeah. to when we take the focus off ourselves and put it on that shared purpose. I agree. I think that does, it does make a, a big difference. And and just to be open to the conversation and share with each other what our experiences are, because I think when we're not sharing the experiences, you know, or how we're feeling or what the, you know, what the consequences are when we're over-focused, uh, we're missing opportunities to grow and learn, learn. from each yep. other. And uh, so that's the other thing is just, you know, be brave, um, you know, have a good balance of candor and diplomacy, but bring the truth and bring the realities and start the conversations because nothing changes until you do. To get the positive outcomes for, you know, each of these, uh, both of these um, perspectives or points of view, you know, the vertical and the horizontal, we have to take simultaneous actions, right? So uh, let's talk, we're going to talk a little bit about those action steps and just a few examples of that and what what can be done to uh, support getting these outcomes. And I'll start with the vertical, Michelle, and 
You know, one thing that I think uh, I've experienced has been very helpful in um, getting the outcomes for the vertical poll is to support each person in their clarity and professional accountabilities with their scope of practice and their services. So just need to make sure, you know, people are clear on what their professional scope of practice is, what the services are. Um, And then the other thing is give them resources, right, for them to work independently to carry out those accountabilities. So make sure that they've got what they need to be able to, you know, to deliver those services. And then the other thing is just, you know, provide role clarification, performance criteria, right, so that they know exactly what they're accountable to and they can carry that out and there isn't any, you know, uh, question or, you know, um, challenges around that. Right. And a lot of that includes the communication of those roles and accountabilities too, right? So it doesn't just sit with the person, but everyone is aware of it. Mm -hmm. And that makes that poll really strong. Likewise, we also have, um, you know, action steps that we can put into place that really make that horizontal infrastructure or horizontal um, uh, polarity really strong. And one of them is to implement and strengthen a partnership infrastructure. And we see this as a key, key intervention action step for this particular um, polarity. And it needs to be ongoing. So what do we mean by partnership infrastructure? You need to have a place for the interprofessional team to come together to build relationship, to have conversation, to continuously improve their practice. And it's in a partnership infrastructure. So in that sense, you can bring different leadership roles um, that may have power, you know, from a hierarchical perspective together with bedside care providers, different roles, but we're there in this infrastructure to really make a difference for the organization and patient care. Well, in that particular infrastructure too, I think what's important to add, Michelle, is that um, there isn't hierarchy at the table right. as far as participation, right? It's an equal playing field. It is. And, uh, and I think the other benefit of it is that it's away from the bedside, right? So it's stepping back, not, you know, not how we're working together in the moment at the point of care for a specific patient and focused on that conversation, but it's the bigger conversation. Who are we? How are we working together? How can we collaborate better? And it's away from it. So it's kind of that time set aside to do that. I think that's just, it's critical. It is. And that it's ongoing. It's not like a task force or something we just do for a little while. It's ongoing to keep that horizontal pull really strong. The other thing is that we look at how that infrastructure is connected throughout the organization, right? What are the linkages? Patients flow throughout an organization. So we really want that partnership infrastructure and we want to be thoughtful of how you know, how do these different areas link together? How do these different departments? And some people call them different things, partnership councils, you know, just councils, but they're a way that people can connect. And maybe there's other names, but the point is, is that they come together in partnership and that they are consistent, different roles, and that they link throughout the system or the organization. Yeah. And I think what's important in that regard too is, you know, for me as a respiratory therapist, I worked on all the different units. Right. So when you want 
you know, standardized approaches, right, to care, and you're trying to work interprofessionally and collaboratively, and you've got different professionals that are working on multiple units and multiple areas, you know, that connection across the organization for standardization is critical. It's key, right? Oh, yeah, it is. Because, you know, like, well, they don't do that over there, and I don't act that way over here. And so when you're trying to have something that's consistent, that that's a great uh, infrastructure to support that. And that's the, the significance of having the connections across all the different units, too. Absolutely. And I think another... Um, action step is really taking that infrastructure um, and making sure that it's aligned with the organization's strategic initiatives. So you don't, again, have a lot of one-offs and people going in different directions, but we're really well aligned and every, every component of that infrastructure is working together towards a common, you know, towards a common goal. And that's really helpful too in keeping it strong. Right. And then that gets you to the shared purpose point, right? right? Why are we doing this collaborative effort? Why is it important for me to participate in this way? Right. Because it's tied to that bigger purpose, that higher, you know, that higher order there. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, you know, so for those listening, uh, one of the things to think about, right, are what infrastructures or strategies do you have in place for either the the vertical or the horizontal complement, right? And how well is that working for you or not working for you? So just just pause and reflect a little bit. I think it'll give you some great insight into what you might be experiencing or why you're experiencing it. And, you know, maybe you don't even have an infrastructure Mm -hmm. in your organization and maybe that's having a significant impact. So, and there are probably a lot of other uh, action steps that could be taken as well, but these are a few to kind of get you started and help you to think about uh, what you could do or, or um, maybe it's like, yeah, we're on the right track. We got that in place. (laughs) Yeah. So the other thing is, um, of course, we want both to be strong and we know that we need some early warning signs, right, to monitor for so that we can course correct if we are overemphasizing one pole to the neglect of the other. And when you are uh, looking at the vertical uh, pole, and if, if you've really overemphasized this vertical component, uh, some early warning signs that might show up, you might start to hear, you know, it really doesn't matter what I think around here. Yeah. Like I've got no voice. I'm voiceless, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. Why even say anything? Nobody's listening, right? You also may hear uh, people use we, they. And mm-hmm. so you can see there's kind of a we, they mentality in the organization. The other thing is, uh, you know, the culture. You might also hear uh, gossip and blame and rumors afloat. And that's an indication that you've overfocused on that that vertical component. Um, or the other thing is, you know, you might hear, you know, these people don't have a clue what we're dealing with at the bedside, right? Or that, that physician doesn't have a clue what I do every day or what I have to deal with, right? Totally out of touch. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And there's some early warnings for the horizontal too, isn't there, Michelle? Yes, there is. You know, so if we're spending too much in that horizontal um, polarity, then um, pretty soon it can just feel like you're just spinning your wheels and nothing's getting done around here, right? You're just not making you're not making traction. You're not making progress. We just keep talking about the same things over and over again, and we're just kind of spinning those wheels. Uh, the other thing you might hear is nobody's accountable around here. Like it's just nobody's accountable. Mm-hmm. Right, because we're so horizontal focused, mm-hmm. and um, you might hear too that you know someone make a decision. <laughs> someone needs to make a decision because <laughs> right. it can get painful if you just stick 
too far to that horizontal pole. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, again, uh, as we take these action steps, we're monitoring for these early warning signs. The whole purpose here, right, is to move towards, you know, kind of that shared purpose, a greater purpose. And in the grand scheme of things, what we're really looking for here, right, in the context of the interprofessional collaboration, is we're really looking for those healthy relationships mm-hmm. and interprofessional collaboration. I mean, that's really the higher order, the right. higher goal, the greater purpose. And, you know, if we don't do this, then, you know, what we're going to run into is very unhealthy relationships and and the inability to actually have a collaborative practice culture uh, in the organization. So that's that's the deepest fear that we have if we don't balance this. And the greater purpose, of course, is the reason to even do the work of balancing this or, you know, being dynamic in the balance of it. Let's wrap up with some key points. Horizontal and vertical. You need a healthy, dynamic balance with both of them. You need to be open and willing to look at the other side and explore and learn and be really aware of your preference pole and blind spots and the impact that can have. And also, if you're in a power position, you can force others to live in the downside of your pole. And that could be intentional or unintentional. So you need to be very aware of that. Agree. Agree. Great takeaways, Michelle. So that's a wrap for episode number 11. Thanks for joining us. Yes. And we hope you join us at our next episode where we're going to be exploring the individual team polarity. Thanks for tuning in today. If you found our conversation insightful or helpful, please share this episode with others you think might benefit. Also, go out to iTunes and rate the show and share a review because we really like those positive ones. Wink, wink. You can access today's show notes and downloads at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you want to learn more about polarities in healthcare or how you might manage them in your organization, you can contact us for a free consultation. Just go to our website at www.missinglogic.com.